0: Hello, everyone. This is Claudia, and welcome back to my podcast, My Point of View. This is a podcast that is dedicated to the members of the silent majority. Um, we talk about the issues, policies, and politics that affect that silent majority. Before I get started on the topics I want to discuss this week, um, there a couple of episodes ago, I, w- I made a statement about two former uh, presidential campaigns where the GOP lost both of them the first one was with Mitt Romney the second one was with John McCain as the candidate i stated that the G- that the silent majority had an effect because they were able to affect it by staying home rather than going to the polls i quoted that there were nine there were 8 to 10,000 people that stayed home The actual number was 8 to 10 million people did not go to the polls, those two election cycles, and therefore Mitt Romney and John McCain both lost. Um, There's so much also going on in the last several weeks, um, not only politically, but with COVID and the rioting and just general things, um, things going on in my own state of Nevada that are causing pain for friends of mine, um, which I will get into in a little bit. They actually, they're hurting terribly, and part of it due to COVID, and part of it due to um, other events. But um, we'll talk about that in a minute. So what I'm going to talk about today are four major um pieces I want to talk about politics um which includes what I'm going to tell you what the definition is the good and evil current day politics the candidates for president Mr. Biden and President Trump the hypocrisies that come out not only from one from both sides um And specifically, we're going to look at Joe Biden and we're going to look at Kamala Harris. We're going to look at Mitt Romney, who says he's a Republican, but he really is a Republican in name only. We're going to talk about a little bit about Jeff Flakes, um, who is also um, says he's a Republican, but he is actually what we call a rhino, which is Republican in name only. We're going to look at freedom of speech. We're going to look at the definition and what it means to have free speech in America. And we're also going to look at um, how it affects us that they are holding back on free speech. And then the end, in the last section, is actually we're going to talk about how all of these things come together and actually have an effect on the silent majority. So let's get started. So the definition, what it means, what free speech Um, politics is. Let's look at that first. Politics is a set of activities that are associated with making decisions in groups or other forms of power relationships between individuals, such as the distribution of resources, status, um, the making of laws, um, coming up with solutions, um, the finances for the country are also part of that politics. Um, Politics is multifaceted word, it may be used in a positive manner, um, in which we go and work for a um, a, a politi- sorry a political solution, and we compromise to find those political solutions in a nonviolent way. It can also be used in a very evil way, um, and I think we have seen that probably over the centuries. Here in the U.S., it's been used to keep people down. Um, they've used politics and created laws. And they've done things like welfare reform, um, which is good and bad. Um, There are some people who really need it. But when it becomes three and four generations worth of people on welfare, I question that one. Um, We come up with infrastructures. But, you know, when they hold money back to fix the roads because they want to hurt the person in the White House or the people—they're not just hurting the person in the White House by not having good, um, good roads and not having um, good, good railways and good um, airlines and that actually can function. They're hurting the working class. They're hurting the people who travel and they hurt the people who need to travel because of jobs. They. They actually can come down and hurt people because they they don't the money's not free flowing. So what happens is that people end up um, losing their jobs. Um, it is used, and I'm going to talk about the state of Nevada because that's where I live um, right now. Because of COVID, it is being used in a very evil way by our governor, um, our governor, Governor Sislak, Um, has been using the COVID situation to punish the people who didn't vote for him, technically. That's what he says, but that's not what's happening. So he is actually, he has kept us under quarantine for over six months. Um, We have around a 1,000 people that have died in a state of 4 million or more. Um, We have had lots of people just lose their jobs and they also are losing businesses. We've had 39% of the bars in Las Vegas alone have closed and most of them will never reopen because of his policies and he keeps saying that we aren't quite there yet. We aren't at the level where we can let people go back to back to work or where people cannot wear the mask. And he has openly stated on a couple of occasions that he is doing this because they need to be punished. The people who are not doing what he wants them to um, need to be punished. Well, there is no law that says... You have to wear a mask. It's a recommendation. It is he. It is an edict from from the governor. It was not passed by the state house into law. Um, so he actually said in one of his messages, he said to us that he is going to make this request, and but I'm not going to go out and go looking for people who don't. Because I really can't do that. But two weeks later, he's closing down bars um, because people aren't wearing their um, their masks and they're in a bar, they're eating, they're drinking. Can't do that with a mask on. Um, and But he had said that he wasn't going to go out and look for people. And then he, he openly changed his mind and he said it was because he wanted to punish those people because only 85% of the people in the state we wearing masks. Really, Governor? I swear. So that is an evil way to use your thing. You're actually hurting others in order for you to get your thrills as a politician. Um, and I think that's bad. I think it's... And now let's take a look at Nancy Pelosi. She's using her political position to hurt people because he she wants to hurt the president. She doesn't like him. She isn't going to help him in any way, but she's hurting everybody else because she will not, she's not getting out money to people to make sure that they can continue to survive and not lose their homes and not, so she's doing that. But then she goes and she's always pushing, wear the mask, wear the mask, wear the mask. Well, if anybody didn't see it, I'm surprised. Last week, she decided to get her hair done in San Francisco. Not only did she get her hair done in San Francisco, but she did it without wearing a mask and she did it indoors. And guess what? In San Francisco, in the state of California, you cannot have indoor restaurants and you cannot have indoor hair salons at the moment because of the COVID-19. And now she's out punishing the hair, the hair salon owner, because the hair salon owner spoke up and said, wait a minute, stop. We didn't, we did not do anything. I did not um, go out and purposely put you in that position of what you were doing and tell you you could do that so I could get you. And that's paraphrasing. That's not the, the same words, but it's the you get the idea. That's an evil way to use your political, your position in politics. And I think it's something that we seriously need to look at as the silent majority as we go to vote this coming November. We need to see which side actually works for the benefit of the people, the people who put them, um, them there. The other one is, let's take a look now, let's go in and we're going to look at the two candidates for president. Uh, The current day politics is just a mess. Uh, Can't get along, don't know how to get along, don't want to get along. Um, The door, President Trump always opens up the door and says, if they would just come and sit down and negotiate good faith, we could get something done. And they do on occasion get something done, but not when it comes to certain things. One of the things that they do do in current state, in current politics, and I think that we should really push after the election to make um, them stop doing this, is they go and they get a bill. And they have a bill that's supposed to be for infrastructure for the U.S. And all of a sudden, you have money coming in, and they want to give money to the unions. They want to give money to the teachers, which aren't a part of the infrastructure. Um, Teachers teach um, they want to hand over money to this organization, that organization and and a few other things they want to do put a you know this and that in they want to open up the you know in one bill one time it was we need to open up the borders of the u s and let anybody in that wants to come in without question um, you can't We need to stop that because that 's a waste of money. Um, it is also not good for the country when you do that, so one of the things we need to push and we need to do it, and we can by calling Congress every day um, when they 're working on a bill and saying don 't do this, don 't do this because you will pay for it don 't do this we 'll get rid of you at the next election. You need or recall you we need to make sure that the bills are clean bills that when they say they're going to do a bill for infrastructure to build and fix the roads across the country that is exactly what the money is used for and it cannot go somewhere else and also we need to we need to really think about taking social security and what President Trump is trying to do is take Social Security and move it from its the account it's currently in and move it into the general fund, which will ensure that Social Security always has the money to pay their retirees. And I will talk again about that. So now let's look at the two candidates. Let's look at Joe Biden. and And I feel bad for him. I think that he... He is. He needs to really retire, sit down, and enjoy the rest of his life. He is. He is struggling. It's noticeable. He's struggling. He's struggling to get through um, question answers from um, from people. He's. He's angry. He, he just releases anger if somebody questions. You know what he wants because he can't think of what he needs to do, and so he really. You know, gets angry at people when they, you know, just the average voter asks him, "Well, what about? Are you going to protect my right to, for me to own a gun?" And he comes after a union worker um, that he's supposed to be talking to and getting information. Um, and he calls. He's he's been on and said, told people that if you're if you're black and you're not voting for me, then you're not black enough. Um, that's kind of really, uh, it's painful to watch. Um, but he also fills in when he doesn't, can't answer a question and he can't follow through. He either changes the subject very quickly, which is common in some ways, but he also fills in things from the past. Well, this is what I, this, you know, and he makes it sound like it's from today. Um, he's, he is showing all the signs of um, of senior dementia or even Alzheimer's, um, and I, I know that you're gonna say, well, maybe yes or maybe no, but I have seen Alzheimer's up close, and I'm sure a lot of you have. Um, I have seen it up close because I saw it in my mother-in-law and watched her deteriorate and finally die because of the side effects from it, um, it's very, very sad. She reverted back into childhood, could not remember things, she couldn't hold a conversation, she'd get very angry at people very quickly, um, and she would she was all over the map and things, and it just became more and more where she could not talk really well, she could not process anything very well, um, and eventually, after five or six years, she finally passed away. My father-in-law, on the other hand, also did the same thing, although he didn't have Alzheimer's, he just had senior dementia. He would keep telling the same story over and over again, and he would fill in, when he, when he couldn't talk about what you were wanted to talk about, he would fill in with his stories from the past, and you could see in his eyes that he was beginning to fade. And I see the same thing, and I feel very bad. I don't like Joe Biden. I'm going to be honest about that. I don't like his policies. I don't think he's an honest man. Um, I think that he does things for his own benefit. Um, and But having said that, I have empathy for him because he is a man really in struggle. He really should not be on the campaign trail. They have been hiding him in a basement so he doesn't have to go out and confront people. He has very, he has hardly anybody at at rallies, um, which is really sad. He goes to a rally and he can't. Um, He plagiarizes. Um, he goes he says he 's against something, and for months he said he was against he didn't he, the riots were good, there was nothing all of a sudden, the numbers are turning on on the riots, and more and more people do not want the riots in fact, if you look at this, um, the people that do not want the riots are huge. Um, In a morning consult poll that was released two weeks ago, it revealed that 71% of registered voters supported calling in the National Guard to assist the police in quelling the riots, including 67% of suburban women. Likewise, 58% of voters support calling in the U.S. military if necessary, including 54% of uh, suburban women. In other words, clear majorities supports Trump's intention to deploy U.S. troops if state officials are unable or unwilling to contain the violence. Now, that is something, as soon as that poll came out and as soon as all of that, all of a sudden the tables turn and and now Kamala Harris is against the riots and Joe Biden's against the riots and the media is calling for the riots to get... um, under control. In fact, Don Lemon uh, about a week or week and a half ago came out and said, you, we need to get these under control, the riots under control or it's going to really hurt the Democrats in November. Yes, it is. Um, so that is one of the things that that's coming from the... And, but Joe Biden went, oh, yeah, I'm against the riots. And then Donald Trump, President Trump, went to Kenosha and Joe Biden wasn't going to go. Oh, I'm not going to go. It's too dangerous there. Well, President Trump went, and about two days later, yeah, I think I'll go to Joe Biden. Goes, yeah, I think I'll go to to um, Kenosha, and it's like, are we following he, each other? Is he following Trump around? Um, is he? Try- he's trying to make headway, but he's slipping. And you know, you we can go ahead and do it, but people are beginning to see. He's really not there and his policies, I mean, if you want um, high taxes, um, he's, he's going to do that. They're going to defund the police. Uh, that's in their platform. They are, they're going to um, make it a national thing to take babies um, once they're from the womb and kill them because mom doesn't want them. Um, at least i 've heard that one, whether or not that 's true, you might want to look at that, but it it has been on the table they don 't talk about it they 're going to do a lot the big the green new deal is the biggest one of all. That one will kill so many jobs and it will kill it 'll kill so many businesses. Um, and hurt a lot of people. It won't just hurt the coal miners and it won't hurt the people who run the businesses. It'll run the people who have their 401ks invested in those companies. Um, It'll hurt those who have things invested in the coal industry or invested in fracking or invested in the um, oil fields of Alaska. It will hurt them. Um, And these are average day, everyday people. So I think we need to really look at what Joe Biden is asking for. Now, if you want to look at Donald Trump, I can tell you because I'm a big fan. I wasn't in the beginning. I have to tell you, I was not sure when he was, I voted for him. But when he was running, I wasn't quite sure. And then at me, and I realized that a lot of what he does is because he blusters. But he does it for a purpose because he knows that that's going to torque off the other side. He knows it's going to torque off the media. He knows it's going to torque off the other side. Um, in the beginning, I think he thought that once he was elected, everything would calm down and he'd be able to do his job. That didn't happen. But now he does it because he knows that if he tweets, it drives people crazy. But his tweeting is also done for a very specific person um, purpose. And that purpose is because He wants to talk to us. He wants to talk to us, the people. He wants to convey to us what is going on because he knows the mainstream media is not going to tell you what is happening. You are only going to get the negative side. You will not get the positive side. And that's, you know, a little disconcerting. Um, And he actually has done a lot of things that, I didn't know about, um, and I'm surprised at, actually. Um, He actually has gone in, and well, besides the executive orders to make sure people get paid, um, hold on a minute, people get paid, he also has done a variety of other things, which I am just thrilled about. Um, He has gone out and, see if I can find this, um, he's gone out and done some things to help uh, people who are, well, I'll talk about in another session because I can't find the sheet I had it on. Um, but he has done a lot of things to help everybody. He doesn't look at you and he doesn't look, and for all the intents and purposes, he doesn't look at skin color. Um, he has, He has the the um urban zones, which actually help people put together um businesses in low income areas um he uh he has done a lot in the way of managing other other things um and I just think that their their differences are are real and so he is about helping everybody. He's about everybody being able to pull themselves up and do well in their lives. He's about, you know, he he has the... he okay. fixed the veterans' problems. Um, he's also gone out and... Um, he has the Opportunity Zones. Um, he... And I said urban. It's not. The term is actually Opportunity Zones. Um, he is... He's fixed, the. he's taken away NAFTA and created a Canada and Mexico accord where we actually have been able to bring back a lot of our manufacturing Uh, and a lot of people have manufacturing things. He's opened up the fracking to be able to allow people to have better energy. He has, um, just to name a few, and just so many that it's crazy. But... I think that more and more we need to really look at, even just personality-wise. Joe Biden's kind of creepy to me, I'm sorry, but, and, and in some ways, Donald Trump's just a really nice, kind of, in spite of himself, he's actually a pretty nice guy. He seems like it. Um, everybody that meets him and talks about him, they like him. Only, and I know you're gonna hear the things about well, he said this. He said that uh, people who died in in war are losers. He did not say that, and there is no proof of that. And the person who wrote it for the Atlantic, the thing he actually even admitted that he just compiled that information, so it is totally untrue. But let's um, go on and talk about some other things, the anger and everything. Let's talk about free speech, Um, and I think that this will fall into free speech. Politics should never come into free speech, Um, and it has. And the right to free speech, it says the definition, and there's several, the right to express any opinion in public without censorship or restraint by the government protected in the United States as a right under the First Amendment to the Constitution the right of a citizen to speak or otherwise communicate without fear of harm or prosecution. Used other than as an idiom, see freedom. Okay, if you look into the definition of free speech, you would come up to the conclusion that there are laws, that the laws that have been passed in the last um, 10 to 20 years are against the constitution, against free speech. There are 17 states that have passed various laws on free speech, and a lot of them are, pertain to hate speech. Now, if you want to look at free speech, free speech is actually includes hate speech. You can't take hate speech out of free speech. It doesn't work. And just because, you know, if you're offended by what somebody says, I always say, turn the channel, walk away. Um, don't argue with them. Don't say, because you're not going to get that to work. Walk away. Tell them no. And change the channel. My my father, when I was young, used to tell me, well, if you don't like what you see, either turn the tele- turn the television off or change the channel. Don't fight with each other. Don't do this. And that has been the way I've thought for years. If you don't like what's on TV, we have over... 200 different channels you can look at, probably more, on TV. If you don't like what's going on on MSNBC, then change it to Fox. If you don't like what's going on on Fox, either one of them turns TV off or go watch a movie on Disney Channel. It's that simple. But to take away or to demand, like the rioters are doing, oh my goodness, the rioters are just insane. They want to take away your right to free speech. They want you, they think only they have the right to curse out a police officer, or they are the only ones that have the right to have dinner out at a a dining um, facility or a restaurant, and yet they're it. They're the only ones that can. They're the only ones that can, you know, profess. Well, they don't profess there with God. You can't go to church these days. Um, you can't do any of those things. Um, you can't go to a bar. Um, and I'll revert back to the state of Nevada. Governor Sisolak shut down all of the bars in the state of Nevada. He just recently reopened them, but there's such harsh conditions upon which they have to do. They're spending money, and he's about ready to do it again. Um, he, in fact, there is a lawsuit going, which I just found out today. The judge in that lawsuit, who said that the bar owners didn't have a standing, got she got um, put on um, on administrative leave for for doing harmful things like hiding, not accepting evidence, um, unprofessional, I'm going to call it unprofessional. There's another term for it. But um, unprofessional and things against what she should be doing as far as being a judge. So they're going to be able to come back and redo the case because she threw it out a week and a half ago. And the bartenders, the bar owners were going after the um, Nevada state government because they shut everybody down and they've lost money. So um, that and and they're trying to stop them from having their way of talking to people. I have been shouted down on Facebook. Um, I'm sure everybody has. They, um, in fact, I've even had Facebook take away some of my posts um one was on was about Ronald Reagan which I was really surprised that it was his was a great speech um by Ronald Reagan and it's no longer up um which they left the other one up the one from 1964 but they didn't leave up the one when he was president um go figure so you know there is a lot to be said for that um but the free speech is Free free speech is something we should never take for granted. Um, no one should. We actually have the freedoms. You know, we need to keep the freedoms we have. And when they they start saying that you it's speech is harmful to others, and you can't talk about it. And uh, the biggest one recently, and it's going around, is you can't talk about politics. No, you can't. Well, yes, we can, and we should. Um, And I get that from family members, I get that from from friends, in fact, I've lost friends because I talk about, you know, free speech, Um, you're not supposed to talk against this this ethnic group or that ethnic group, you can't have your opinions, Um, which, you know, is fine in and of itself not to do that, because ethically you shouldn't do that, but people do. And, but it just doesn't work. And, and back again to the writers, writers are saying all kinds of awful things. I've been watching a lot of videos and it's just disgusting. And um, they're getting away with it. And I find that very, very bad. So this is what I think actually needs to be done. We as a silent majority are pushed um, into, an, into a box and a lot of people don't think the silent majority exists. And there is, in this article that I came across, um, that actually was posted about two weeks ago, it's a very real silent majority will re-elect President Trump. And it's by a gentleman by the name of Cat- Catron, David Catron. And it was done on June 5th, 2020. And he talks about what the silent majority um, it's most concerned about. And he says this, and I'll just read the whole article to you. Tuesday morning, President Trump tweeted two words that succ- succinctly describes the winning coalition that will assure his November reelection: Silent majority. This prompted a considerable amount of eustachian mirth from the Twitter mob, a number of obscenity, serious opinion pieces in the corporate media and contemptuous dismissal by the Democrats. The consensus was that Trump was indulging in what's called a Nixonian fantasy, whereby white suburbanites frightened by an increasingly diverse electorate would save his presidency. This interpretation betrays profound ignorance about the term silent majority which never had any radical connotation and disregards what suburban voters really fear. Democratic incompetence in a time of economic uncertainty and social unrest. The ongoing riots in cities governed by, by supine Democrats combined with genuine threat that the violence will metastasize outward to the suburbs is their most conspicuous fear and they want action. A morning consult poll released Tuesday, this is a poll that was released Tuesday, two weeks ago, reveals that 71% of registered voters support calling the National Guard to assist the police in quelling the riots, including 67% of suburban women. Likewise, 58% of voters support calling in the US military if necessary, including 54% of suburban women. In other words, clear majorities support Trump's intention to deploy U.S. troops if state officials are unable or unwilling to contain the violence. Moreover, he possesses the power to do so. As Senator Cotton, a Republican from Arkansas, wrote in the New York Times, this week rioters have plunged many American cities into anarchy recalling the widespread violence of the 1960s. Some governors have mobilized the National Guard, yet others refuse, and in some cases, rioters still outnumber the police and guard. Combined, combined, in these circumstances, the Insurrection Act authorizes authorizes the president to employ the military. This vulnerable act, nearly as old as our republic itself, doesn't amount to martial law or the end of democracy, as some excitable critics ignorant of both the law and our history have comically suggested. In fact, the federal government has a constitutional duty to the states to protect them from domestic violence. Senator Kant's straightforward and irrefutable essay has caused something of an insurrection at the New York Times. The New York Post reports dozens of New York Times staffers erupted an outrage at the newspaper for publishing an op-ed from Republic, Republican Senator Tom Cotton urging President Trump to call out the U.S. military to crack down on protests that have turned violent. In addition, the Times has been inundated by angry letters from its readers, a denunciation from the New, News Guild of New York's, New York, and outraged tweets from its own journalists. In the end, it may be necessary for the president to send in troops to protect James, James Bennett, the hapless, editor's page, hapless editorial page editor who decided to print Senator Cotton's heretical op-ed. Bennett certainly can't count on the protection of New York City's Democratic Mayor Bill de Blasio. Mayor de Blasio has been feckless during the riots that even New York Governor Andrew Cuomo called him on the carpet for failing to prevent instances of looting, destruction and property of destruction of property in the city. I believe the mayor underestimates the scope of the problem. What happens happened in New York City is inexcusable. Included on the growing list of Mayor De Blasio's incredibly incompetent decisions was his refusal to accept assistance from the National Guard. We do not need the National Guard to overcome, to come to New York City, nor has Governor Cuomo backed up his threat to remove the mayor as called in the nation, if he calls in the National Guard. These two characters are by no means the only Democrats to remain inert while the riots escalate. At the beginning of the week, the president made it clear that he is losing his patience. My first and highest duty as president is to defend our great country and the American people. I swore an oath to uphold the laws of our nation, and that is exactly what I will do. But in recent days, our nation has been gripped by the professional anarchists, violent mobs, arsonists, looters, criminals, rioters, Antifa, and others. A number of state and local governments have failed to take necessary action to safeguard their residents if a city or a state refuses to take action that are necessary to defend the life and property of their residents then i will deploy the united states military and quickly solve the problem for them and Amer- america was founded upon laws it goes without saying of course that most democrat governors have made all manner of ill-informed claims about trump's remarks eleanor governor j pritzer said i reject the notion that the federal government can send troops into the state of Illinois. Michigan Governor Gretchen Whitmere claimed Trump is determined to sow the seeds of hatred and division. Nevada Governor Steve Sislak declared, Unfortunately, the president has once again taken the path of inciting combativeness, stoking racial tensions, and creating a division when we need unity more than ever. Washington Governor Jay Insless berated, I pray no soldier and no civilian is injured or killed by this reckless uh, fit. Oregon Governor Kate Brown claimed, you don't defuse violence by putting soldiers on the streets. And the beat goes on. All five Democratic governors named above ostensibly activated the National Guard in their states. Yet it is obvious that they don't intend to deploy the troops in any meaningful way. States with GOP governors such as Arizona, Arkansas, Florida, Georgia, Indiana, Ohio, South Carolina, South Dakota, Tennessee, Texas, and Utah have deployed their troops effectively. Among the states with Democratic governors, the activation has been largely a matter of of public relations. In fact, when the Secretary of Defense, Mark Esper, requested National Guard assistance from Virginia Governor Ralph Northam, to protect various national monuments in the District of Columbia, Governor Northam refused. Esper then turned the, to Maryland's Governor Larry Hogan, who agreed to send the request, the requested troops. So, what about the silent majority? The Morning Consult, consult poll noted, noted above makes it clear that they wanted they want law and order restored. This, along with a fast economic recovery, is precisely what the president has pledged. Meanwhile, Trump's likely general election opponent meanders about systematic racism while struggling to keep his figures straight concerning how many lives and jobs have been lost. And, oh, by the way, last week he said that 120,000 people 20 million people, sorry, 120 million people died of the coronavirus and and well over between the two, his numbers on jobs were just as pathetic. So as former Clinton pollster Doug Schoen writes, the political risk to Democrats is becoming associated with the riots, which would result in the party losing the White House and risking their House majority. The Democrats already own the riots and the silent majority is quietly counting the days to November 3rd. So my point about reading this, I think, is important. I want you to know what is actually being thought out there. But the other one is that with the fact that the silent majority is a very powerful group of people, although we don't speak up a lot, um, we can do things. We can can make sure we call our congressmen. We can make, we can go and join the different rallies that are going on around the the country, like um down in the 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 Vietnamese one Vietnamese group went and did a walk for for um Trump and for freedom. Um the bikers, um, especially at Sturgis, um actually backed were able to make the Antifa people back away. Uh, because they outnumbered them they were by lots, and they're also a lot bigger um and they have more strength and then it took it took the police to try and keep them apart um we are moving forward we are making sure that that those are some things the other ones is that we can talk to each other we can talk to each other we can talk to our neighbors we can talk to people we can converse on um on different chat rooms Um, and make sure that people know the difference between the two. President Trump is for law and order. Joe Biden is for chaos and anarchy. And that is, if you want to look at the two differences between the two, that's it. Um, President Trump respects and honors the average everyday person. Joe Biden only wants stuff for those. He wants to... in to take power the power away from the average day person to make a difference in the country and to be able to manage that. And you can see that cuz he's for he's for the mail-in ballots. Now we have mail-in ballots everybody. Um and that's something that you know we have what's called an absentee ballot. Um but he wants everybody he wants to have mass balloting and then he wa- he believes in vote harvesting, which means that they go out and they come and they get your ballot for you. It's called ballot harvesting. And they can actually go in and change those ballots. So we need to be careful about that. And we need to, these are the things we need to look at. These are the things we need to think about. These are the things that need going forward, we need to really pay attention to. I hope you enjoyed this podcast. I talked about a lot of different things. And I hope that we can, um, we'll be back again in like a week or so, and I'll give you another podcast. Have a good week, um, and I'll talk to you later. Bye.